popular movies as a springboard to get into that truth. And it's been a fun series to get in through uh, the last few years. Uh, I mentioned earlier, I think last year we did superhero movies and we just saw all the different things there that teach us about the attributes of God and, and things from his word. The year before that we did a, a series called Throwback, which is all 80s movies. And uh, it's just cool because I think that... Uh, when you think about the stories that are told in life, we just think about all the different ways stories are told, it all seems to return to a central theme, doesn't it? You ever notice that? And there's just that feeling you get through the movie, you're like, I know this is going to work out. But first, there must be a problem, right? And it's just stories, that's, we, we, we embrace storytelling that way. This year's series uh, is about epic movies. And I could not think of a more epic movie series than the Star Wars movie series to kick this thing off. The main thing about this series is because of the basic story that it embraces. I will never forget the first time I found out about Star Wars. Uh, I did some math and figured out where, like, where I lived as a kid and what was going on in my life. And I think it was in 1986. I was in my friend's room. Uh, and I saw this guy. We got a picture. You might remember this toy as a kid. Yeah, I, I saw that thing. I said, what is that? And my friend said, what? You haven't heard of Star Wars? And I was like, no, he was like, oh, it's awesome, it's, it's rad, because it was 1986, everything was rad. Um, but it was this guy, his name is Reyes, Reyes, which uh, George Lucas was super clever. It actually is just kind of a, a play on three eyes. See how they did the aliens there? Um, and uh, that's, that was my first introduction to, to Star Wars. And I remember thinking like, what could possibly be cool about this? I don't understand, I don't know what that guy, what that guy is. I, of course, I don't have to tell you how rad Star Wars has become. The first movie hit 1977 uh, with the very first of a huge series, and it was a cultural phenomenon like no other. And ever since then, it's just taken off. Uh, they've produced, produced eight feature films, not to mention the many different spinoff things they've done, cartoons and small movies and fan-based stuff. Check this out, just to show you how rad it was. Uh, the, the Star Wars series, just the eight movies, have made over $7.6 billion dollars. And to give you just a scope of how it's exponentially, exponentially growing, the last two movies that just came out over the last two years have done over three billion of that. Isn't that crazy? And that doesn't include merchandising and then, you know, the stuff like t-shirts and toys and, and, and video games and, and Lego. And I mean, it's, it's everywhere. It's just completely uh, inundated our society. Uh, my favorite personal story from Star Wars, uh, I know this was in 1999 because it was when the, the Star Wars Phantom Menace movie came out. This is like episode one. And I grew up in Wilson, North Carolina, and we went to the midnight premiere of this show in Wilson. Now, um, there were no such things as midnight premieres, as far as I know, until this movie. I think this is the one that kicked off midnight premieres. And we did the thing, and people were dressed like Darth Vader, and I was like, I don't know if I'm quite cool enough to be here right now. Um, but uh, we went in, and then the craziest thing happened. We're sitting in a movie theater, just like that, and before the movie came on, the manager got up and welcomed everybody to the midnight premiere and said, we have a special guest. And a guy stood up. He was a tall British man named David Prowse. You should Google his name. This guy is the dude who was inside the Darth Vader suit in the first three movies. And he was in the theater with us. It turns out he like, like retired in Wilson, North Carolina. I think he was from like London. And I don't know why you would come to Eastern North Carolina from London. But he did. And that's where he lived. And he was like... I would like to welcome you all to the movie. And he's like, he's like, it doesn't sound like Darth Vader at all. I'm like, then I learned it was, it's a, if you don't know, I'm sorry. Um, the whole Star Wars phenomenon is incredible. I mean, it has done so much to just influence our culture. I think I saw at least one, maybe two of our kids this morning have on Darth Vader t-shirts right now and had no idea uh, that, um, that, that we're doing this a, as a church. Um, but 
I have so many questions. You know, one of the biggest questions I have is, why in the world has this story just completely captivated our culture? Why? It's strange. You know, long, long ago in a galaxy far away, that's not even relatable. Why? Another question I have is, who shot first, Han Solo or Greedo? Like, who shot first? We'll never know. Who shot? Han. Han, yeah. See, there's, there's desperate sides on that. The, the other question I have is, whose stupid idea was Jar Jar Binks? Like, what was going on when someone said, this will make the series better? It didn't. It didn't. Yeah. I, there's, a, there's a theory that he's a Sith Lord. Y'all know that theory? Blow your mind. Um, here's the thing. Uh, a lot of you might not get Star Wars. It might not be your thing. Um, and you might not even know what the Star Wars story is. And a few of you are like, what? <laughs> like like my, my friend in 1986. So I, I want to take a second just to tell you what the overarching story of Star Wars is and then get into what can we learn about God and from God, actually, from the story that we learned there. So I'm going to give you a crash course in basic Star Wars stuff, okay? You don't have to have any science fiction background. You don't even have to like movies to get this. Um, how can I do that? I want to do it very shortly. So it's basically like this. Imagine if World War II, you follow me so far, happened in outer space. Sounds easy enough, right? Okay, so you've got two big, huge mega powers that are going against each other. Uh, you've got, instead of it's like Nazis or Hitler versus, you know, the allied forces in World War II, you've got this thing called the Empire, and it's versus like everybody else. Now, they go by different names, the two sides of the battle throughout the series, but the basic thing is there's kind of there's good guys and there's bad guys. And as you follow the story, especially in the early movies, you, it seems like the bad guys are pretty much winning right now. And what are we going to do? Like, and so this is kind of how the thing's going. Like in many war stories, you've got the bad guys who are you know, taking over and they're ruling with fear and with greed and with anger. And they're coming in and their goal is to build a big empire of all these, these planets. By the way, instead of World War II happening on one planet, it's happening over like hundreds of planets and all the space in between. And it happens instead of on like tanks, it happens in like star destroyers. That's the part where you're like, I don't know, never mind. But as it goes forward, you realize it's basically just a story between the good guys and the bad guys, just like most good stories. But there's one key element that's, that's different. It's, it's a unique element of the Star Wars series. And I think it might have been part of the thing that's really drawn us in, this thing called the Force. Now, if you don't know what the Force is, it's basically this, this, this power that exists in the universe. And there are people who are sensitive to the Force, okay? And if they can sense the Force, they can use it to do some pretty amazing things. They can move things that seemingly, you know, shouldn't move. They can do, like, mind control tricks. They can, uh, they can do all kinds of, they got really good, you know, reflexes and senses. They can actually sense emotion. Like, it's a really big thing that happens with the Force. And there's a, there's a good group of guys that really can master this Force, and they're called Jedis. And that's what you see here when this guy, uh, Luke Skywalker, is talking to the puppet, and he's trying to find the Jedi Master, Yoda, um, who, by the way, that little green guy is like the greatest you know warrior ever and he's just it's so funny to see him be so silly because he is really bad like if you've seen the later movies like wow he's bad um but uh, you know this these these good guys control the force and they can do good things but then like any battle like in any war there's two sides of the force and there's a bad side of the force called the dark side and there are these Force-sensitive people who kind of tap into the Force and they do bad things and they fuel it with, with anger and with fear and with greed and these negative emotions. And so there you have, oh, and by the way, there's lightsabers. Like, that's probably the coolest part. That's, that's Star Wars. It, that's all right. Like, yeah, you got to get Star Wars now. And that's where, that's where we are. There's this battle between good and evil, but there's this Force that is important in guiding the powers of this battle. One of the most important plots of the series is not the big intergalactic fighting, but the personal stories that happen inside 
kind of the hearts and the minds of the main characters, especially the people who can sense and use the force. And they have this battle within them. And the battle is basically this. Am I going to use the light side of the force? Or am I going to use the dark side of the force? Because there are force-sensitive people who take that dark side and it takes over them. And it allows them to rule in evil ways. And you know, when I, when I think about that basic question, it suddenly hits me why this series is so captivating. Because isn't that the battle that we struggle with every single day? Like, I, I got this 24 hours, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to do good things with it or am I going to do selfish things with it? Am I going to serve other people or am I going to serve myself? And it's this battle, it's this tension. And even though this story happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, like it hits me right here, right now. Because every single day I wake up with this. Do you? And I've got to decide each day when I roll out of my bed, how am I going to treat the world that I'm presented with? Am I going to do good? Am I going to go towards light? Am I going to do evil? Am I going to go towards the dark side? And then the craziest thing is there's even like sub battles. Like because sometimes it's black and white. Is, I mean, good and bad is not just black and white. Have you noticed that? Like there's these gray areas. You're like, is this, is this bad? I'm not sure. And then this other battle that happens. When you are choosing to do the good thing, and somehow you do the bad thing anyway. Anybody with me on that? And so it's, it's so much more than just a movie. It's a narrative that plays uh, like a score underneath our life every single day. What do we do about that? What does God have to say about that? And, and is there a way to kind of focus our brains and get us to a place where we're doing what we know is right all the time, if not the majority of the time. Well, every week we love to look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. So I want to encourage you, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and pull that thing out. If you don't have a Bible, we have them for free available. They should be in every couple of seats. Um, reach over and grab one. We're going to be in two different places in the Bible today. Uh, Romans is a book in the New Testament, and Galatians is also a book in the New Testament. So back in that last third of your Bible, you can also flip to the index and find it if you have a hard time finding books in the Bible. Uh, I've been doing this a long time, and I still think people have stolen books out of my Bible. I'm like, I can't find Jeremiah. It's not in there. Uh, and then Oh, yeah, it is. So flip through there. Uh, I'll tell you this. If, if you don't have a good readable version of the Bible of your own, uh, take one of these with you. Keep it. We want it to be a free gift to you. Uh, and also, if you just don't want to look something up, the scripture's going to be on the screen behind me. Um, but we're going to be looking into Romans and Galatians, and they were both written by a guy named Paul who was a missionary, and we'll talk about him in just a second. But we'll be in Romans chapter 7 first. Romans chapter 7 verse 21. Let me talk a second about the author of this book. Uh, Romans, chapter 20, uh, Romans chapter 7, Paul begins to, uh, let's, let's take that down for a second. Paul starts to talk about something that's battling him inside. But one thing you got to understand about Paul is kind of where he comes from. First of all, like if you were to list his accolades, you would say like Paul has done a lot of really good things. Paul was a missionary that traveled around the Mediterranean Sea area and planted and established and led lots and lots of churches. In fact, basically all churches that we have today have, can be traced back to the work that Paul did. He was also the first missionary to leave the Jewish world and go to the rest of the people who weren't Jewish and tell them about Jesus. That's a pretty big deal. Maybe the biggest like, star on his board is that he wrote the majority of the New Testament of the Bible. That's a pretty big deal. I don't know how many books of the Bible you wrote. I haven't written any. Paul wrote a lot, and he's very uh, influential in what we believe because of, of, of the things he wrote and the things that God taught him. But here's the thing about Paul's life. He wasn't always that. Before Paul was uh, a Christian missionary doing all these amazing things, Paul was actually like, the best way I've learned to describe him is like a Jewish radical terrorist. His full-time 
obsession was to travel around uh, the Jewish world before he became a Christian and like find Christians and make them renounce their faith at the penalty of death. It's, that's hardcore. Like if that happened in America today, that person would have their mugshot on the news. And this is what Paul did. How do you go from being that guy to being the guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament and people are like, oh, what a good, good man he was. I'll tell you what happened. He met Jesus. Jesus is able to take you no matter where you are in your life and turn it around and say, look, you, you, you can do what God wants you to do with your life and I can forgive you for your past and I can help you make a better future through God's grace. Here's the thing that Paul experienced so that I think we all experience is that even when we meet Jesus and even when we learn how to do better, there's still this battle that happens inside of us. And Paul talks about this battle in Romans chapter 7. We can throw that up there now. Because he says something like, I have had a hard time putting into words the way my brain works sometime around things I'm tempted by and, you know, old addiction that tries to come back and hurt me and just selfishness and whatever. I've tried to put it into words. I've never found better words than what's right here in Romans 7, starting in verse 21. He says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He said, man, I want to do good, but it's like evil is right there with me. Earlier in the passage, he describes it like this. He's like, the good I want to do, I can't seem to do. And the bad that I don't want to do, I keep doing. <laughs> Anybody feel that struggle? You know, that tension? It's really like, I don't know, validating or comforting to me to know that someone as good as Paul struggled with this. Someone with as close a walk with God as Paul had still struggled with this, because I do. I think you do too. This scene plays out in our mind. And it plays out in a small scale when we think about, you know, I just want to do little, little, little good things, but then like we sneak in little bad things, little white lies, little this, little that, like bad things. It plays out in a large scale, like maybe through, you know, like acting out an addiction that you know is wrong or lying to your boss about a big thing or stealing money. Like it's, it's, it's on the whole gamut, the whole spectrum of things that we can do. This good and evil battle is happening inside of us. And this section of Romans spends a lot of time explaining this. And so the way he explains it is he describes it as two different realities. The battle is between two different realities that we struggle against. One of the realities is it's called the reality of the flesh. The other reality is called the reality of the spirit. And these two things are at odds with each other. If you've heard this before, I want to encourage us all to tune in because you can't hear it enough. These two things, the flesh versus the spirit, they're always banging heads together. Let's talk about that. Because the spirit is an interesting thing. We don't see it. I can't touch my soul. But we are spiritual beings. We were created in God's image, and one, one thing I believe that means is that we are created as spiritual beings. And so our soul is kind of who I am. It's kind of what really makes me who I am. Our soul lives on beyond our, our bodies, our, our spiritual self. Every culture in the world embraces some sort of spiritualness because it's so obvious. It's just, it's just there. But then the thing that we need to understand about the spirit thing and why it's even there, as I said a second ago, we were created in God's image. God is spirit. To commune with God, to like know him and, and understand him, is to understand there's like a spiritual reality. The cool thing about God's spirit is that he allows his uh, spiritual nature to impact our spiritual nature. It's insane. I don't know why he would do that, because he's pure and he's holy and we're not. But the cool thing about this is that God also has 
a spirit, and we call it his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit, he actually offers that to us as a gift so that his spirit can come walk alongside our spirit. I describe it sometimes as like having a roommate. Like it's like if your house is the house and like you got like two bunk beds and like my soul's in here, but we're going to invite God to come and live alongside of us. But the difference in this is that when God moves in, we allow him to do some rearranging. Maybe take some posters off the walls and choose the music and different things that are going on in our life. God moves in. God offers us this. This is, this is a really cool gift God gives us. But that's the spiritual reality, okay? Paul says there's two realities. There's a spiritual reality. The other reality he talks about is the flesh. The reality of the flesh, the best way I've understood it is to basically say, like, our flesh is the container for our soul. Because, you know, you could take, like, a can of Coke and you could drop it on the ground and dent it all up, but what's still inside? Very fizzy Coke. Don't open it. But it's still in there, right? And so your, your container can be damaged. You could lose a limb. You could get bad a car accident. You could get disease. Your soul remains still who you are, right? Our flesh is the container, for our soul. But here's the thing, we have a really active and living bond with this flesh thing. Unlike your car, if you wreck it, I'm just going to get another car, I don't care. Your body, you feel. You hurt. Listen to this. Am I feeling me when I say this? You yearn. Like, there's things you want with your body. Some of them are really good for you. Some of them are not. So this battle ensues. Who's going to rule? My soul or my flesh? That's the battle. And really, that's the crux of the whole conversation. When it comes to Christianity, when it comes to faith, why do we need a Bible? Why are we having church? You know why? Because of this battle. Because we've got to have a, a way to communicate this and to deal with it and to make the right choices. Because our soul can have a really good and intimate relationship with our flesh. And check this out. If we live our life according to God's will for our life, we can do some amazingly good and powerful things in this world through our flesh. We've seen it happen. But when we turn our back on God's will for our life, our flesh takes over and we do stuff that is not honoring to him and that brings us down and that separates us from him. So how do we decide what to do? How do we even know the difference of what's right and what's wrong? And how do we move forward so that we don't go towards the dark side, to use the Star Wars analogy, and we continue to stay and walk in the light? Um, that's a good question. My wife picks on me a lot uh, because um, you ever seen either the old one or the new one, the movie The Nutty Professor? You seen that? Yeah, I'm a nutty professor. Like, I am absent-minded sometimes. Like, I've, I mean, I, every single day I go through this routine. I get ready for work. I get ready to leave. And then I go, hey, Lindsay, have you seen my fill-in-the-blank? I didn't find my wallet. I can't find my wallet. I was late for a meeting with Aaron this week because I couldn't find my wallet. Can't find my car keys. Can't find one flip-flop. And then I've learned that I really I just have a daughter who's a flip-flop thief. I don't know why she likes to take my flip-flop to her room. Not both of them. Take them both because then I can find both of them. But like whatever. But, but I am. I'm nutty. I'm nutty professor. I'm absent-minded. I need to take this opportunity publicly to apologize to my wife. Thank you for putting up with a crazy old man. I'm sorry. I know I'm not super old, but I'm definitely crazy. Um, I have found lists to be very helpful to help me remember things. And it's not because I'm crazy. You all make lists, hopefully. If you don't, you don't do anything. You don't accomplish much. You ever go to the grocery store with that list? He's like, rake it in, boys. <laughs> Fruit roll-ups sound like a great idea. And they're on sale. You know, you're like, wait, what are we going to eat? Um, so we make lists. We do it all the time. You probably do the same checklist at the front door that I do. Okay, let's see. Cell phone, keys, wallet. You might have no, I want headphones. It's one of my things. Like, what have you got in your, I forgot my headphones this morning. Isn't that funny? Me and Josh were talking about it. Need a list, man. 
Go back inside. We need, we need lists because lists, lists help to streamline things. Lists, lists help us to uh, you know, eliminate things we don't need. Uh, I go camping a lot, and we, we make a list for camping because I found that I've camped with people who don't camp much, and lots of people bring too much stuff camping, stuff you don't need. We're going to need like two weeks' worth of food. You're going to be there two nights. Like, we're like You need two sandwiches in a cooler. Like That's what you need. So li- lists help us eliminate the things we don't need. It's very important. And when it comes to this battle between the flesh and the spirit, I'm really appreciative of Paul because Paul was a list maker. I like to think that I'm a lot like Paul because I'm, I am making a list to try to get myself straight. Paul makes some lists for us, and he goes through several different times in his letters to make us lists about how we can know when we're walking in the flesh and how we can know when we're walking in the spirit. We're going to take a look at one of those. I told you we'd be in Galatians chapter 5. So go ahead and flip there real quick. Galatians chapter 5. And it's going to be on the screen as well. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, he starts talking about this. And, and while you flip there, I'm, I'm going to just like open up the list section. In verse 16 and 17, he's going to kind of give us the context for this list, okay? Here we go. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you're not to do whatever you want. So he makes a list. The first list he makes is about the flesh. He said, well, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Not a word we use very often. This means excessive indulgence in sensual pleasures. Something that makes me feel good. Excessive indulgence in that. Verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord. You probably know what that means, but I want to just kind of clarify. This is just being disagreeable and hostile with people. Hostile, like just you're causing discord. Uh, Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. I said a couple weeks ago when we were going through the Ten Commandments that I believe that selfishness might be the core cause of all sin in our life because it's not about glorifying God, it's about glorifying me. So this, this idea that selfishness is on here is, is pretty huge. Uh, next is dissensions. This is more like discord, disagreement that leads to discord, okay? Uh, factions. This is more discord, okay? And then verse 21, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So this is a list for us. We see this list and we're like, okay, these are things that let me know I'm walking in the flesh. And I want to just go ahead and like bring the one selfish ambition to the very front. Because that's the core of so many of the things, the decisions that I make just to serve me. Basically, it's self-serving acts that are all about me getting what I want and making me feel good or stay on top. And there's also the second thread of how we treat people. Did you catch that? Dissension, uh, factions, discord. Those are things that are like, I'm pushing other people away, or if they can't provide something for me, I don't really need you in my life. I don't have to be nice to you. That's when the waitress is not a very good waitress. Uh, pff, well, uh, what kind of service have you got here? And we throw a fit, and it's like, well, you don't know what's going on in her life. Like, she might like, have had a really bad day. <laughs> like, let's chill out a little bit. But it doesn't serve me, so I'm angry. This is really crazy because there are two things that I really like. I really like doing things that I want to do, and I really like being with people who get me the things that I want. Is anybody else with me on that? The problem is that leads us to walking in the flesh and letting that guide us. So there's got to be some balance to that. I think a lot of us here today would be honest enough to admit, that's what I do. I do a lot of that. I do a lot of that, and and a lot of us are aware of it. You know, we're not like just jerks. We, we might be, but we're like working on it, right? But we're aware of it and we want to work it, but we might not be aware and that's why it's good to have each other. The beauty of Jesus is that he gives us the ability to overpower the flesh. First of all, he comes in and he says, listen, you've made a lot of mistakes. I want you to know I can forgive you for that. 
And I can, just, I can just cover those up and I can let you start fresh with me because I am the source of that forgiveness. And then he says, I'm going to help you walk and do better in this stuff. We're going to talk about that in a second. And Paul keeps talking about this battle in Galatians chapter 5. He says, listen, that's how you walk in the flesh. That's your checklist. But if you're going to walk in the spirit, these are the things you need to look for. These are the things you need to grow in. And these are the things that God's spirit in your life will help you do better. Look at verse 22. Second list, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control is like the Loch Ness Monster of um, character traits. <laughs> like, I've heard it exists. I'm not sure. I've seen pictures of it, uh, but that was blurry, right? Because selfishness is such a big deal. So self-control is difficult. And you look at this list, man, I could do like a, this is nine things, I could do like a nine-part sermon series, maybe we will, that would be a great idea, write that down, somebody. But, but the idea is like, you look at those things, and these, where it said the acts of the flesh are obvious, the acts of the Spirit are not always so obvious, because they're difficult. That's why we need Jesus in our life, because on our own, we tend to, we tend to veer towards the selfishness side of the road. And what Paul's saying here is this. Listen, in this battle between the flesh and the spirit, you need to seek to walk in the spirit. Look at verse 24. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. This is, this is graphic talk, by the way. Crucifixion is not pretty. It's execution. It's dirty. Jesus was crucified. It's a big deal. For, for Paul to say, if you, if you walk with Christ, you have crucified your flesh with its passions and desires. This is not self-harm. This is me going, the me that used to be me, that me is dead to me. Do you follow me? <laughs> There's a lot of me there. I can't live for that guy anymore. I got I to pick up right here, and I got to live for something else. I've crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Verse 25. So since we live by the Spirit, now he's talking to a group of Christians here. And I don't know where everybody in this room is. I want you to know we're a place where no matter where you are, like if you wouldn't identify as Christian or you're like, I don't know, I'm just trying church out again. I don't know. Maybe it's your first time ever here. You need to know this is like one of the safest places you could be in this city. We want to be church for people who don't like church or church for people who need to retry church or church for people who just need to get a second chance. And so you can come in with all your background and all your baggage. That is totally fine with us because we're all screwed up too. But the reality is that when you choose to live for Jesus, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that when we, when we accept him, when we're baptized in his name for the forgiveness of sins, it says we are given the gift of his Holy Spirit. And the gift is we don't have to walk in the flesh anymore. We can actually pick up and start fresh and walk in the Spirit. And guess what starts to come out of our life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. They just start to come out of us. And I've seen it happen in so many of the lives in this church family. They're like, man, I was this, I was that, I was an addict, I was a bad dad, I, was, I, was a, I, 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 I ruined my marriage, I was a slack employee, I was an embezzler, I've done jail time, I've got jail time ahead of me. Whatever it is you're facing, you're like, but for some reason, because I'm serving Jesus right now, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are like, I kind of want to do those things now. Those things are what I desire with my life. And then suddenly I don't have a taste in my mouth anymore for the bad things. When I sin and when I do things that are contrary to God's will for my life, when I live and gratify the desires of my flesh, I'm kind of like, it's kind of like when you were a little kid and you used to really like to eat those pixie sticks. But as you get older, you're like, I can't eat very many of these anymore. Because you realize it's not good for you and you don't even want it. And occasionally you stumble into it. 
but you can walk by the Spirit, and you can learn to find yourself in sync with the steps of God. Verse 25 again, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. The flesh versus the Spirit, you look at the two sides of life. And let me just ask you, which one would you rather live? It's rhetorical. You don't have to raise your hand. But which one would you rather live? One that's contrary to God, one that's in darkness, one that's constantly about me and selfishness, or the one that's like, I'm walking in the light and doing the thing that God wants me to do. And the, the fruit of my life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I'm telling you what, I want to hang out with that person. And I think you do too. Paul wraps up uh, that list, and, and, and I want to go back to chapter 7 now, where we started. Because remember, he was in this battle. The things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't think I should do, I keep doing. And it goes back and forth. And at the end of that little rant in Romans chapter 7, um, he says this in verse 24. He says, so what a wretched man I am. What a wretched man I am. What a wretched woman I am, right? Whoever, whatever you are. Like, it's like I, I, what? He says this, who will rescue me from this body, this flesh that is subject to death? I love that he doesn't skip a beat. He doesn't pause. The translators didn't start a new paragraph. The very next sentence is this. But thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. This never gets old. The answer to the question, who will rescue me from this wretchedness? The answer is Jesus. You know what it's not? It's not a raise. So many of us are like, if I just get a raise, I think we could get things together. It's not a new relationship. It's not even that your marriage could be better, as good as that could be. It's not that the right person wins political office or we get city council fixed or public education has better scores. It's not, those things are great. But who will rescue us? Jesus. He's the only one who gives us that opportunity. He's the only one who gives us the promise of new life and God's spirit interacting with us and a changed world. And we've seen it happen now for generations. Paul keeps on going. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says this. This is like the next section after he says, who will rescue me? He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Clean slate. Start over. Maybe that's what you need today. Maybe what you need is a clean slate. Maybe you've, you've like done the Jesus thing and you've like, this has been a few weeks or a few months or a few years or a couple decades since I've checked in with living for Jesus, but guess what? That new start happens every day. God's word says that his mercies are new every morning. Go check the mailbox. New mercies, they're here. We just got to embrace them. We got to pull them in. We got to say, all right, God, I accept you. And I love what it says. Paul also says this. I'm just going to kind of just quote it. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says that when we are in Christ, the old is gone. We're, it's dead to us. And the new has come, and we get to walk in newness of life. The battle we face now was not long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. And it's not a movie. It's not imaginary. It's right here, and it's right now. And the battle, instead for us, is somewhere between our, our, our heart and our hands. That's where the battle takes place. And what, what, who do I want to serve, and what am I going to do about it? And that's the question I want to kind of let linger with us this week as we go home. Who do you want to serve and what do you want to do about it? The battle between your heart and your hands or your, or your head and your, and your life. Like, what, what's happening in there with you? And I want to tell you something. In, in Star Wars, the force is, is super powerful and it can be bent like a tool to you know, be put to use for good or for evil. 
God's spirit is not to be bent as a tool. It will not be controlled. It will not be tamed or controlled. It will come into your life and it will change you. And it will save you. And it will give you hope. And it will give you future. And it will make you present for your family. God's spirit is not some nameless entity, the force. God's spirit is God's presence in our life. And he can help us win the battle. In fact, he promises it to us. The most uh, often repeated promise in the Bible is this. I will never leave you or forsake you. Might not be the most often, but it's one I've seen so often throughout Scripture. When you look at the story of Star Wars or so many other battles, it's, it's a lonely battle. You see these movies, World War I, World War II. It's like we were in the trenches and we were just stuck and we were bogged down and the enemy was bombing us and we're just there and there's no one here to help us. God said, I'm not going to leave you in the trenches. I'm not going to leave you in outer space to face Darth Vader, whatever. God came into the trenches for us in Jesus. And he said, I want to show you the way home. I want to show you the way to safety. I want to show you the way to the light. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one will come to the Father except through me. That's the message of Jesus. And it's the hope that he brings as we face this battle, you're going to face it on the way home. It's probably going to be when someone says, where do you want to eat lunch? <laughs> and there's a fist fight over where we're going to eat lunch, right? Small things to the big things you're dealing with, finances, career decisions, relationships. God's promised us the victory. And I want to encourage you to just seek that every day. And if you're somewhere in your life right now where you want to talk about doing that, we're going to get up in a second and do a communion. I'll explain that in just a second. But if you want to just come see, there's a few of, a few of our, our men that will kind of stand right there in this hallway. If you want to go talk to them, maybe have a little prayer with them, uh, ask for some guidance. Um, we're not going to ask you to come forward and, and do that up here. You can do that over there with them privately. Um, maybe you just want to become a Christian. You're like, can you talk to me about that? Go talk to those guys. They'll be glad to help you out. Let me just pray with us this morning. God, you're good. You're so good. And I just thank you for your grace, your peace, your kindness, and your love. And, for the ability we have to win the war through you. And uh, thank you for something crazy like uh, movies, blockbuster hits, that just give us uh, a common ground to stand on as we launch into your word. Father, as we continue in this week, I pray that we can be just chasing you, pursuing you with our hearts, and that we can be um, shining your light into the world so that people will see the good things we do and give you glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>